Section 23 of History of New England, 1630-1649. This is LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of New England, 1630-1649 by John Winthrop. Section 23, 1646, Part 2. Their petition being read, and this charge laid upon them, in the open court before a great assembly, they desired time to make answer to it, which was granted. And giving the court notice that their answer was ready, they assembled again, and before all the people caused their answer to be read, which was large and to little purpose, and the court replied to the particulars extempore as they were read. The substance both of the answer and reply was as followeth, with some little additions, which for want of time was then omitted answer to the first they answered that they term these plantations an ill-compacted vessel one comparatively in respect of our native country two in regard of the paucity of people scattered etc three for diversity of judgments amongst us many being for presbyterial government according to the reformation in england others opposing it some freemen others not differences there are also about bounds of colonies patents privileges etc reply to this it was replied, one, that the being of a thing, talus, etc., lies in the perfection of parts, not degrees. A child of a year old is as truly a man, and as well compact, as one of sixty. A ship of forty tons may be as well compact a vessel as the royal sovereign. And for the differences which are amongst us, through the Lord's mercy, they are not either in number or degree suitable to those in England, nor do they concern our essay or non-essay, and those which are, are raised by such discontented and unquiet spirits as these petitioners. To the second they answer negatively, which needed no reply, it being evident in their petition, that, though they speak of our sins in general yet, they chiefly impute them to our evil government, etc. Answer. To the third they deny the charge, but grant that the governor and company may have some peculiar privileges, as other corporations of England have, which corporation privileges, made for the most part for advancing mechanical professions, in some places are much slighted by the english gentry unless in london and some great cities because freeborn privileges are far greater and more honourable etc reply to this it was replied that we could not but take this as a scorn and slighting of us according to their former carriage allowing us no more than any ordinary corporation and such privileges only as belong to mechanic men but for greater and more genteel privileges as they term them those they would share in, and, which they impudently deny against the plain words of their petition, they would have all free-born English to have as much right to them as the governor and company. Answer. To the fourth they answer is in their petition, and a reason they give of their fear of arbitrary government is, that some speeches and papers have been spread abroad for maintenance thereof, etc., and, the body, and that a body of English laws have not been here established, nor any other not repugnant thereto. Reply. To this it was replied, one, that the constant care and pains the court hath taken for establishing a body of laws, and that which hath been effected herein beyond any other plantation, will sufficiently clear our government from being arbitrary and our intentions from any such disposition. Second, for the laws of England, though by our charter we are not bound to them yet, our fundamentals are framed according to them, as will appear by our declaration, which is to be published upon this occasion, and the government of england itself is more arbitrary in their chancery and other courts than ours is three because they would make men believe that the want of the laws of england was such a grievance to them they were pressed to show what laws of england they wanted and it was offered them before all the assembly who were desired to bear witness of it 
that if they could produce any one law of England, the want whereof was a just grievance to them, the court would quit the cause, whereupon one of them instance in a law used in London, where he had been a citizen, but that was easily taken away by showing that was only a by-law, or peculiar custom of the city, and none of the common or general laws of England. Answer. They answered negatively to the fifth, alleging that they only commend the laws of England as those that are best accustomed to, etc., and therein they impudently and falsely affirm that we are obliged to those laws by our general charter and oath of allegiance, and that without those laws or others no way repugnant to them, they cannot clearly see a certainty of enjoying their lives, liberties, and estates, etc., according to their due natural rights as freeborn English, etc., reply to this it was replied that they charge us with breach of our charter and our oaths of allegiance whereas our allegiance binds us not to the laws of england any longer than while we live in england for the laws of the parliament of england reach no further nor do the king's writs under the great seal go any further what the orders of state may belongs not in us to determine and whereas they seem to admit of laws not repugnant etc if by repugnant they mean as the word truly imports and as by the charter must needs be intended they have no cause to complain for we have no laws diametrically opposite to those of england for then they must be contrary to the law of god and of right reasons which the learned in those laws have anciently and still do hold forth as a fundamental basis of their laws and that if anything hath been otherwise established it was an error and not a law being against the intent of the lawmakers however it may bear the form of a law in regard of the stamp of the authority set upon it until it be revoked answer to the sixth they confess that non-freemen have a vote and choice of military officers but they justify their assertion in regard that they must first take an oath of fidelity which they say is not as they conceive warranted by our charter and seems not to concur with the oath of allegiance in the later covenants but detracts from our native country and laws so as they cannot take it either etc reply this needs no reply an absolute denial and a denial sub modo are not the same answer to the seventh they answer negatively only which their petition will sufficiently clear for reply the inference is so plain as is obvious to any reasonable understanding answer and reply the like for the eighth answer to the ninth they confess the words in their petition fees that diverse of the english subject have been impressed for the wars that rates are many and grievous, but charge them not with tyranny or injustice or illegal proceeding. Reply. See what a manifest contradiction they have run themselves into. They complain of these impresses and rates as an unsupportable grievance, yet neither tyrannical, unjust, nor illegal. So as you must then conclude, as the very truth is indeed, that the exercise of lawful authority, justice, and law are a grievance to these men, if it come not in their own way answer to the tenth they would shift off that slander upon our churches and brethren by this distinction of christian vigilancy properly and improperly so called properly is in three respects one of the church covenant two of the term brethren three church censure and all other christian vigilancy they account improper and so this is not to be intended or comprised in the proposition viz christian vigilancy is no way exercised towards non-members reply this is so gross a fallacy as needs no skill to discover it answer to the eleventh they answer by confessing the words save that they say they spake of their brethren not our brethren reply who they challenge for their brethren peculiarly we know not for all such there as in judgment of charity go for true christians in england we do and have always accounted brethren and in a common sense all of that nation we have accounted brethren 
and further they justify that speech that they have just indignation against us etc for three reasons one for not establishing the laws of england two not admitting them to civil liberties three not admitting them to the sacraments and yet they dare affirm that they do not charge this upon the court etc they also justify that speech of flying from us as from a pest by the like speech as some of them have heard from godly men in england and by so many going from us and so few coming to us but admit all this to be true yet what calling have these men to publish this to our reproach and beside they know well that as some speak evil of us because we conform not to their opinions in allowing liberty to every erroneous judgment so there are many no less godly and judicious who do approve our practice and continue their good affection to us answer to the twelfth professing their ignorance of the meaning of the word obliquities to which was replied that then they did not know rather what rectum was for whatsoever is not rectum is obliquum they make an apology for their appeal as conceiving it lawful to appeal to the parliament to which they were necessitated and some of them being hindered from their necessary occasions and accounting it no offence to petition etc nor had the parliament ever censured any for the like etc and if this will not satisfy the court etc some few queries to the parliament the best arbiters in these cases will we hope end all controversies etc concluding that they hope we will censure all things candidly and in the best sense to which it was replied that appeals did not lie from us by our charter and to appeal before any sentence was to disclaim our jurisdiction etc i should also have noted the doctor's logic which undertook to prove that we were subject to the laws of england his argument was this every corporation of england is subject to the laws of england but this was a corporation of england ergo etc to which it was answered one that there is a difference between subjection to the laws in general as all that dwell in england are and subjection to some laws of state proper to foreign plantations second we must distinguish between corporations within england and corporations of but not within england the first are subject to the laws of england in general yet not to every general law as the city of london and other corporations have diverse customs and bylaws differing from the common and statute laws of england again though plantations be bodies corporate and so is every city and commonwealth yet they are also above the rank of an ordinary corporation if one of london should say before the mayor and aldermen or before the common council you are but a corporation this would be taken as a contempt and among the romans gratians and other nations colonies have been esteemed other than towns yea than many cities for they have been the foundations of great commonwealths and it was a fruit of much pride and folly in these petitioners to despise the day of small things these petitioners persisting thus obstinately and proudly in their evil practice the court proceeded to consider of their censure and agreed that the doctor in regard he had no cause to complain and yet was a leader to the rest and had carried himself proudly etc in the court should be fined fifty pounds mr smith being also a stranger forty pounds mr maverick because he had not as yet appealed ten pounds and the other four thirty pounds each footnote the modern reader will not sympathize with this narrow action of the theocracy Quote, surprise almost always equals our indignation at this exorbitant imposition for in this very year fowl was associated with winthrop as one of the select men of boston and maverick with so much interest in the great work of fortifying castle island that he advanced a large part of the outlay and the metropolis engaged to save him harmless to a certain extent union of the good spirit of the civilians that dreaded all appeals to england for correction of any error in our administration with the evil spirit of the clergy that would enforce uniformity in ceremonies and belief 
produced the effect of preventing many from coming to Massachusetts, and drove away many who had already established here their domestic affairs. All these petitioners but Maverick left the country, I believe. He had long experienced enough of the habits of our rulers to know that their intolerance sometimes yielded to interest, and that humanity often overpowered the perversity of their zeal for God's house, by which they might seem to be eaten up, end quote, savage, end footnote. So again being called before the court, they were exhorted to consider better of their proceedings, and take knowledge of their miscarriage, which was great, and that they had transgressed the rule of the apostle blank, study to be quiet and to meddle with your own business. There were put to mind also of that sin of Korah, etc., and of the near resemblance between theirs and that. They only told Moses and Aaron that they took too much upon them, seeing all were the Lord's people, etc. So these say that the magistrates and freemen take too much upon them, seeing all the people are Englishmen, etc., and others are wise, holy, etc. There were offered also, if they would ingenuously acknowledge their miscarriage, etc., it should be freely remitted. But their remaining obstinate, the court declared their sentence, as is before expressed. Upon which they all appealed to the Parliament, etc., and tendered their appeal in writing. The court received the paper, but refused to accept it or to read it in the court. Three of the magistrates, viz., Mr. Bellingham, Mr. Saltonstall, and Mr. Bradstreet, dissented, and desired to be entered contradicentes in all the proceedings. Only Mr. Bradstreet went home before the sentence. Two or three of the deputies did the like, so the court was dissolved. Footnote. One reads gladly of the descent of these important men. In footnote. Dr. Child prepared now in all haste to go for England in the ship which was to go about a week after, to prosecute their appeal, and to get a petition from the non-freemen to the Parliament, and many high and menacing words were given forth by them against us, which gave occasion to the governor and council, so many of them as were then assembled to hold the court of assistance, to consider what was fit to be done. Neither thought they fit to impart their counsel to such of the magistrates as had declared their dissent, but the rest of them agreed to stay the doctor for his fine, and to search his trunk in Mr. Dan's study, but spake not of it till the evening before the doctor was to apart. Then it was propounded in counsel, and Mr. Bellingham dissented as before. Yet the day before he moved for stopping the doctor, which was conceived to be to feel if there were any such intention, and presently went aside and spoke privately with one, who we were sure would prevent our purpose if it were possible. Whereupon, whereas we had agreed to defer it till he had been on shipboard, now perceiving our counsel be to be discovered, we sent the officers presently to fetch the doctor, and to search his study and Dan's both at one instant, which was done accordingly. And the doctor was brought in his trunk that was to be carried on shipboard, but there was nothing in that which concerned the business. But at Dan's they found Mr. Smith, who catched up some papers, and when the officer took them from him, he brake out in a speech as V's, We hope shortly we shall have commission to search the governor's closet. There were found the copies of two petitions and twenty-three queries, which were to be sent to England to the commissioners for plantations. The one from Dr. Child and the other six petitioners wherein they declare how they had formerly petitioned our general court and had been fined for the same, and forced to appeal, and that the ministers of our churches did revile them, etc., as far as the wit or malice of man could, etc., and that they meddled in civil affairs beyond their calling, and were masters rather than ministers, and oft-times judges, and that they had stirred up the magistrates against them, and that a day of humiliation was appointed, wherein they were to pray against them, etc. Then they mention, as passing by them, what affronts, jeers, and despiteful speeches were cast upon them by some of the court, etc. Then they petition, 1. For settled churches according to the Reformation of England, 
Second, that the laws of England may be established here, and that arbitrary power may be banished. Three, for liberties for English freeholders here as in England, etc. Four, that a general governor or some honorable commissioners be appointed for settling, etc. Fifth, that the oath of allegiance may be commanded to be taken by all, and other covenants which the Parliament shall think most convenient, to be as a touchstone to try our affections to the state of England and true restored Protestant religion. Six, to resolve their queries, etc. Seven, to take into consideration their remonstrance and petition exhibited to the general court. Their queries were chiefly about the validity of our patent, and how it might be forfeited, and whether such and such acts or speeches in the pulpits or in the court, etc., were not high treason, concerning the power of our court and laws in diverse particular cases, and whether they may be hindered by the order of this court from settling in a church way according to the Reformation of England, etc. The other petition was from some non-freemen, pretending to be in the name, and upon the sighs and tears of many thousands. In the preamble they show how they were driven out of their native country by the tyranny of the bishops, etc. Then they petitioned for liberty of conscience, etc., and for a general governor, etc. They sent their agents up and down the country to get hands to this petition, but of the many thousands they spake of we could hear but of twenty-five to the chief petition, and those were, for the most part, either young men who came over servants, and never had any show of religion in them, or fishermen of marblehead, profane persons, diverse of them brought the last year from Newfoundland to fish a season, and so to return again. Others were such as were drawn in by their relations, men of no reason either, as a barber of Boston, who, being demanded by the governor, what moved him to set his hand, made answer, that the gentlemen were his customers, etc., and these are the men which must be held forth to the Parliament, as driven out of England by the bishops, etc., and whose tears and sighs must move compassion. Footnote. The great risk for those who gave their names will explain the small number of signers. End footnote. Dr. Child, being upon this apprehended and brought before the governor and council, fell into a great passion and gave big words, but being told that they considered he was a person of quality, and therefore he should be used with such respect as was meet to be showed to a gentleman and a scholar, but if he would behave himself no better, he should be committed to the common prison and clapped in irons. Upon this he grew more calm. So he was committed to the marshal with Smith and Dand for two or three days till the ships were gone. For he was very much troubled to be hindered from his voyage and offered to pay his fine, but that would not be accepted for his discharge, seeing we now had new matter and worse against him, for the writings were of his hand. Yet upon tinder of sufficient bail he was set at liberty, but confined to his house, and to appear at the next court of assistance. His confinement he took grievously, but he could not help it. The other two were committed to prison, yet lodged in the keeper's house, and had what diet they pleased, and none of their friends forbidden to come to them. There was also one Thomas Joy, a young fellow, a carpenter, whom they had employed to get hands to the petition. He began to be very busy, and would know of the marshal, when he sent to church Dan's study, if his warrant were in the king's names, etc. He was laid hold on and kept in irons about four or five days, and then he humbled himself, confessed what he knew, and blamed himself for meddling in matters belonging not to him, and blessed God for those irons upon his legs, hoping they should do him good while he lived. So he was let out upon reasonable bail. But Smith and Dan would not be examined, and therefore were not bailed, but their offense being in nature capital, etc., bail might be refused in that regard. For their trial of the general court in 447, June 1647, and the sentence against them, etc., it is set down at large in the records of the court, with their petitions and queries intended for England and all proceedings. Mr. Dan, not being able to pay his fine of two hundred pounds, 
nor willing to acknowledge his offense, was kept in prison. But at the general court, 348, May 1648, upon his humble submission, he was freely discharged. Footnote. Dr. Robert Child, whose boldness was met by such severe checks, was a young man well trained and connected, the reputed holder of a degree in medicine from the University of Padua in Italy. Thomas Joy, a man of humbler station, but perhaps no less courageous and self-sacrificing, was the ancestor of an important Boston family. The recalcitrants appear to have believed that a subversion of the existing colonial government would be an easy matter. Notice Smith's remarks above. Winthrop and his party plainly appreciated their danger, and sent their best man, Edward Winslow, to present to the powers in England their carefully worded statement. In footnote. Mr. Winslow, being now to go for England, etc., the court was troubled how to furnish him with money or beaver, for there is nothing in the treasury, the country being in debt one thousand pounds, and what comes in by levies is corn or cattle. But the Lord stirred up the hearts of some few persons to lend one hundred pounds to be repaid by the next levy. Next we went in hand to draw up his commission and instructions, and a remonstrance and a petition to the commissioners in England, which were as follows. To the right honorable Robert, Earl of Warwick, Governor-in-Chief, Lord Admiral, and other the lords and gentlemen, commissioners for foreign plantations, the humble remonstrance and petition of the governor and company of the Massachusetts Bay in New England and America, in way of answer to the petition and declaration of Samuel Gordon, etc., whereas by virtue of his majesty's charter, granted your petitioners in the fourth year of his highness's reign, we are incorporated into a body politic with diverse liberties and privileges extending to that part of New England we now inhabit. We do acknowledge, as we have always done, as in duty we are bound, that although we are removed out of our native country, yet we still have dependence upon that state, and owe allegiance and subjection thereunto, according to our charter, and accordingly we have mourned and rejoiced therewith, and have held friends and enemies in common with it, and all the changes which have befallen it. Our care and endeavor also have been to frame our government and administrations to the fundamental rules thereof, so far as the different condition of this place and people, and the best light we have from the word of God will allow. And whereas, by orders from your honors, dated May 15, 1646, we find that your honors have still that good opinion of us, as not to credit what hath been informed against us before we be heard, we render humble thanks to your honors for the same. Yet forasmuch as our answer to the information of the said Gordon, etc., is expected, and something also required of us, which, in all humble submission, we conceive may be prejudicial to the liberties granted us by the said charter, and to our well-being in this remote part of the world, under the comfort whereof, through the blessing of the Lord, His Majesty's favor, and the special care and bounty of the High Court of Parliament, we have lived in peace and prosperity these seventeen years. Our humble petition, in the first place, is that our present and future conformity to your orders and directions may be accepted with a salvo jure, that when times may be changed, for all things here below are subject to vanity, and other princes or parliaments may arise, the generation succeeding may not have cause to lament and say, England sent our fathers forth with happy liberties, which they enjoyed many years, notwithstanding all the enmity and opposition of the prelacy and other potent adversaries, how came we then to lose them under the favor and protection of that state in such a season when england itself recovered its own in fredo viximus in portu morimer but we confide in your honor's justice wisdom and goodness that our posterity shall have cause to rejoice under the fruit and shelter thereof as ourselves and many others do and therefore we are bold to represent to your honors our apprehensions 
whereupon we have thus presumed to petition you in this behalf. It appears to us, by the said order, that we are conceived, one, to have transgressed our limits by sending soldiers to fetch in Gordon, etc., out of Shaomet in the Narangasat Bay, two, that we have either exceeded or abused our authority by banishing them out of our jurisdiction when they were in our power. For the first we humbly crave, for your better satisfaction, that your honors will be pleased to peruse what we have delivered to the care of Mr. Edward Winslow, our agent or commissioner, whom we have sent on purpose to attend your honors, concerning our proceedings in that affair and the grounds thereof, which are truly and faithfully reported, in the letters of the said Gorton and his company, and other letters concerning them, faithfully copied out, not verbatim only, but even literatim according to their own bad English. The originals we have by us, and had sent them, but for casualty of the seas. Thereby it will appear what the men are, and how unworthy your favor. Thereby also will appear the wrongs and provocations we received from them, and our long patience towards them, till they became our professed enemies, wrought us disturbance, and attempted our ruin. In which case our charter, as we conceive, gives us full power to deal with them as enemies by force of arms, they being in such a place where we could have no right from them by civil justice, which the commissioners for the United Colonies finding, and the necessity of calling them to account, left the business to us to do. For the other particular in your honor's order, at viz., the banishment of Gordon, etc., as we are assured, upon good grounds that our sentence upon them was less than their deserving, so, as we conceive, we had sufficient authority by our charter to inflict the same, having full and absolute power and authority to punish pardon rule govern etc granted us therein now by occasion of the said order those of gorton's company begin to lift up their heads and speak their pleasures of us threatening the poor indians also who to avoid their tyranny had submitted themselves in their lands under our protection and government and diverse other sachems following their example have done the like and some of them brought by the labor of one of our elders mr john elliot who hath obtained to preach to them in their own language to good forwardness in embracing the gospel of god in christ jesus all which hopeful beginnings are like to be dashed if gordon etc shall be countenanced enough held against them and us which also will endanger our peace here at home for some among ourselves men of unquiet spirits affecting rule and innovation have taken boldness to prefer scandalous and seditious petitions for such liberties as neither our charter nor reason or religion will allow, and being called before us in open court to give account of their miscarriage therein, they have threatened us with your honor's authority, and, before they knew whether we would proceed to any sentence against them or not, have refused to answer, but appealed to your honors. The copy of their petition, and our declaration thereupon, our said commissioner hath ready to present to you when your leisure shall permit to hear them their appeals we have not admitted being assured that they cannot stand with the liberty and power granted us by our charter nor will be allowed by your honors who well know it would be destructive to all government both in the honor and also in the power of it if it should be in the liberty of delinquents to evade the sentence of justice and force us by appeal to follow them into england where the evidence and circumstances of facts cannot be so clearly held forth as in their proper place besides the insupportable charges we must be at in the prosecution thereof these considerations are not new to your honours in the high court of parliament the records whereof bear witness of the wisdom and faithfulness of our ancestors in that great council who in those times of darkness when they acknowledged the supremacy in the bishops of rome in all causes ecclesiastical yet would not allow appeals to rome etc to remove causes out of the courts in england
Beside, though we shall readily admit that the wisdom and experience of that great council, and of your honors as a part thereof, are far more able to prescribe rules of government and to judge of causes than such poor rustics as a wilderness can breed up, yet, considering the vast distance between England and these parts, which usually abates the virtue of the strongest influences, your counsels and judgments could neither be so well grounded nor so seasonably applied as might either be so useful to us or so safe for yourselves in your discharge in the great day of account for any miscarriage which might befall us while we depended upon your counsel and help which could not seasonably be administered to us whereas if any such should befall us when we have the government in our own hands the state of england shall not answer for it in consideration of the premises our humble petition to your honours in the next place is that you will be pleased to continue your favourable aspect upon these poor infant plantations that we may still rejoice and bless our god under your shadow and be there still nourished tanquam calore et aurore colesti and while god owns us for a people of his he will own our poor prayers for you and your goodness towards us for an abundant recompense in this in special if you shall please to pass by any failings you may have observed in our course to confirm our liberties granted to us by charter by leaving delinquents to our just proceedings and discountenancing our enemies in the disturbances of our peace or such as molest our people there upon pretense of injustice thus craving pardon if we have presumed too far upon your honour's patience and expecting a gracious testimony of your wanted favour by this our agent which shall further oblige us in our posterity and all humble and faithful service to the high court of parliament and to your honours we continue our earnest prayers for your prosperity forever by order of the general court ten december forty six john Winthrop, governor increased noel secretary the copy of the commission to mr winslow massachusetts and new england and america whereas samuel gorton john green and randall holden by petition and declaration exhibit to the right honorable the earl of warwick governor-in-chief and commissioners for foreign plantations as members of the high court of parliament have charged diverse false and scandalous matters against us whereof their honors have been pleased to give us notice and do expect our answer for clearing the same we therefore the governor and company of the massachusetts aforesaid assembled in our general court being careful to give all due respect to his lordship and the honorable commissioners and having good assurance of the wisdom and faithfulness of you our worthy and loving friend mr edward winslow do hereby give power and commission to you to appear before his lordship and commissioners and presenting our most humble duty and service to their honors for us and in our name to exhibit our humble remonstrance and petition in way of answer to the said false and unjust charge of the said gordon etc and by the same and other writings and instructions delivered to you under the hand of mr increase noel our secretary to inform their honors of the truth and reason of all our proceedings with the said gordon etc so as our innocency and the justice of our proceedings may appear to the honors satisfaction and if any other complaints in any kind have been or shall be made against us before the said commissioners or before the high court of parliament you have hereby like power and commission to answer on our behalf according to your instructions and we humbly crave of the high court of parliament and of the honorable commissioners that they will vouchsafe our said commissioner free liberty of seasonable access as occasion shall require and a favorable hearing with such credit to such writings as he shall present in our name under the hand of our said secretary as if we had presented them in person upon that faith and credit which we would not wittingly violate for all worldly advantages and that our said commissioner may find such speed and dispatch and may be under such safe protection as stay and return 
is that honorable court useth to afford to their humble subjects and servants in like cases. In testimony hereof we have caused our common seal to be hereunto affixed, dated this 4-10-1646. By order of the court, John Winthrop, Governor, increased Noel, Secretary. Mr. Winslow, his instructions were of two sorts. The one, which he might publish, etc., were only directions, according to his commission, and remonstrance and other writings delivered him. The other were more secret, which were these following. If you shall be demanded about these particulars, objection one, why we make not out our process in the king's name, you shall answer. One, that we should thereby waive the power of our government granted to us, to reclaim not as by commission, but by a free donation of absolute government. Two, for avoiding appeals, etc. Objection two, that our government is arbitrary. Answer, we have four or five hundred express laws, as well near the laws of England as may be, and yearly we make more, and where we have no law, we judge by the word of God as near we can. Objection 3. About enlarging our limits, etc. Answer. Such Indians as are willing to come under our government, we know no reason to refuse. Some Indians we have subdued by just war as the Pequids. Some English also, having purchased lands of the Indians, have submitted to our government. Objection 4. About our subjection to England. Answer 1 we are to pay the one-fifth part of ore of gold and silver. 2. In being faithful and firm to the state of England, endeavoring to walk with God in upholding his truth, etc., and paying for it. 3. In framing our government according to our patent, so near as we may. Objection 5. About exercising admiral jurisdiction. Answer 1. We are not restrained by our charter. 2. We have power given us to rule, punish, pardon, etc., in all cases, ergo and maritime. 3. We have power granted us to defend ourselves and offend our enemies, as well as, as well by sea as by land, ergo we must needs have power to judge of such cases. 4. Without this, neither our own people nor strangers could have justice from us in such cases. Objection 6. About our independency upon that state. Answer. Our dependency is in these points. 1. We have received our government and other privileges by our charter. 2. We owe allegiance and fidelity to that state. 3. In erecting a government here accordingly and subjecting thereto, we therein yield subjection to that state. 4. In rendering the one-fifth part of ore, etc. 5. We depend upon that state for protection and immunities as freeborn Englishmen. Objection 7. Seeing we hold of East Greenwich, etc., why every freeholder of 40 shillings per annum have not votes in elections, etc., as in England. Answer. Our charter gives that liberty expressly to the freemen only. Objection 8. By your charter, such as we transport are to live under his majesty's allegiance. Answer. So they all do, and so intended, so far as we know. Objection 9. About a general governor. Answer 1. Our charter gives us absolute power of government. 2. On the terms above specified, we conceive, the patent hath no such thing in it, neither expressed nor implied. 3. We had not transported ourselves and families upon such terms. 4. Other plantations have been undertaken at the charge of others in England, and the planters have their dependence upon the companies there, and those planters go and come chiefly for matter of profit. But we came to abide here and to plant the gospel, and people the country, and herein God hath marvelously blessed us. End of section 23